Welcome, welcome, welcome to an episode of Designer DAO, where we talk about Web3 and design. Well, hello. Today I am with Andrew, uh, IMD, as always, and this is Designer DAO. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about, I guess, the crypto zeitgeist as a whole. And um, the one thing that I've been thinking about lately is like how crypto is so unserious, meaning like a lot of our culture is very playful, very like gamer-esque, very uh, degen vibe, like very much like subculture. And now that we, we are hitting another bear market, there's this, uh, you know, realization for over the past, I would say six months to a year that like, oh, we have to kind of like, you know, put our pants on or, you know, put <laughs> or put our suits on because like the the ease to to get new users to the space is not going is not like that easy as it used to be. And people are starting to um, understand um, or, or even start to think about like sustainability and scaling. Um, I think one thing that comes to mind in our culture is like how we speak to users. Um, a lot of applications tend to, um, how do I say this? A lot of applications marketing tends to kind of tote around features. Like you can do this and then you can do this. And then here's this other new way of trading crypto and, there isn't, and that attracts like a certain kind of person, but it's usually a person that's already here and it doesn't necessarily welcome uh, new people. Um, Andrew, do you have thoughts about, I guess my little riffing there? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been in crypto now since like 2017 and Mm -hmm. working in it since then pretty much. So I've seen, the really the not the total beginning of professional crypto because it was already starting to to professionalize um when i mean professionalize not necessarily in an organized way but you get professionals working in the space and companies were just starting to organize themselves right to all the way through to now where you've got companies organized and you've got a few more professionals working in the space but it's still not where it needs to be in order to roll this out to everyone so I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, there's been a little bit of work that's done, but it's not enough um, and we need to, to improve all of that. So I, I'm really excited to kind of share some opinions on that with you and kind of dive into some of those aspects. But one thing that I have seen to answer your question is that since then, it's just been more and more layers of complexity that have come in. And these are quite often, you know, different um, network protocols, roll-ups, more things around DeFi. And it takes a lot of time and investment to get into these things. And you're quite right, it takes a certain type of person. But what I do think it's doing is it's a bit like a science lab, right? And for us to be able to look at these uh, really complex inventions and then think, well, what can we do with this? that might be useful in the real world. And I think if you have the ability to to, uh, look into that and then take the best of what there is uh, and then try and bring that into the real world, then you have some great opportunities as a designer or as an innovator to then start doing that. But if you're asking people to come to the technology, fundamentally understand it, pick away at the layers of complexity that are building up to try and work away at some of the shortcomings, yeah, you've got a big job. So we'll definitely dive into that today. And I think um, as designers or innovators or people working in Web3, uh, we can give ourselves a pat on the back, but our job is really just starting. So it would be good to know where we should be going, uh, where we should be aiming for, and what sort of standards we're also looking to set for ourselves, I think. Yeah. Also, I think to give the industry some grace, like, I mean, I haven't been in crypto for as long as you have. I started like around um, the COVID times, like 2020, 2021. But I will say like, even in the, the, you know, the couple of years I've been in crypto, like I feel like these early years have been laying down infrastructure because even now we have so much infrastructure that we did not have, like things that you just could not do yet um, that you can now, like, especially with bridging. Um, Bridging's gotten a, a hell of a lot better than it mm. used to. Um, and also like account abstraction and some other things. 
And so I think um, there's a discussion in which is like, when is the right time or what is the right thing to bring in like a bigger audience, essentially? Um, And I will say it feels like the time is now because like we have a lot of the things to welcome that audience. I will say the one thing that I've observed um, across different types of applications and Web3 technologies is um, a founder has a as has an idea for a protocol or an application on that protocol. They build the thing, they get really excited, and then they're like, okay, who is this for? <laughs> right. You know, like, like, and then they try to like find and speak to and kind of like kind of reverse engineer an audience for the thing. And I think that one thing that I that I see teams struggle with is understanding its own application scalability. Like, I think we set, especially in product as a culture, like unrealistic expectations for the amount of users we're going to have given the thing that we have, you know, like, like, you know, how, like really think about like how many people want to trade, you know, V3 type liquidity pools, like how many people want to, you know, um, use a web three game that like requires like a fundamental understanding of how web three works before you can use it. You know, like, I think we, we have like sometimes unreal expectations and we like set ourselves up for failure. And so I think, I don't know the answer to this, but I I think, Mm. um, a suite of tools that are like one consumer tools where anyone can use it and learning how to speak to an anyone type audience and like marketing yourself as such. Um, but also understanding you're going to have to abstract a lot of things in order for it to work. And then there's like a sort of like level two, where it's like, okay, the person understands wallets. They understand like basic stuff, you know, how many people understand that cool, this app is for that kind of person. And like understanding, I guess, the levels of competency, because um, as a designer who's worked for very, for a lot of different um, apps, I think I I have had to communicate to my builders and developers, like, or even ask, like, what do you think the level of competency is for for users? Because that's going to influence how you speak to them and how you market to them, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so here's my take on it. Basically, I think yeah. when it when it comes to Web three or at least decentralized technologies, let's say decentralized technologies, because for me, it's about the fundamentals of why we're here. And I think decentralization mm-hmm. brings some really awesome things, and Web three does too. But Web three is the bubble, I think, at the moment. Whereas mm-hmm. decentralized technologies uh, is the the concept of how we're changing stuff. And, and for me, um, really, that the way that's been leveraged so far is just to motivate people to join mostly through financial opportunity. And that's how most people get interested. Uh, and uh, that's fine. I think that's great to have something that you know, uh, gets people interested and, and kind of trying stuff out. But it's not a long-term thing. It's it's kind of a short-term casino, and that's why you get these rises and falls mm-hmm. in the markets. That's really damaging because essentially what happens is you onboard loads of people to try and deal with the demand, and then the market crashes and they get let go and they get disillusioned and they go off and do other things. So mm-hmm. it needs to stabilize a little bit. But what I think the great fundamentals about decentralization or at least one of them is, is this Mm -hmm. idea of community, right? And Mm -hmm. community, digital online communities are such a powerful part and they act within Web3, um, but where the value has to be used is not in terms of a motivation, like financial value, but it should be more of a glue that keeps the communities together and and almost like a, um, a means of fluidity in those communities. Uh, but not a primary motivator. And I think that's where we need to shift Mm -hmm. this kind of um, uh, – well, this this type of usage of tokens and value into something that isn't just opportunistic. It's something that is an enablement and it's sustainable, 
right? And if we can do that, then what we can do is we can reward communities, we can reward participation in communities properly. The sorts of things that Coordinate are doing and and, and D Work are doing, you know, great. Uh, great platforms, really great ideas. The, the, the beginning of what I see in the next five to 10 years, if this is done right. And of course, you know, these platforms very well, you work yeah. for one. Um, but I, I love what they're doing. And I think that that's the right type of thinking where we can start to generate more communities where people can have side gigs, or they can start to think up new ideas with other people that otherwise they would have never met. Um, or to start getting funding for ideas. And these are all the best things about it, right? So um, aside from the usability and trying to get people into it, I think the community level of collaboration and participation and using value within that as a sort of glue that keeps people together is something that I hold on to as a reason why I want to keep driving forward my energy and time into it. Um, and then yeah, we'll get to the, the usability part. Um, but definitely aside from that, aside from the product part, the sheer kind of concept of it all, I think is the right way to be heading for the future. So yeah, I want to see that that come to fruition, really. I want to see more of it. And honestly, that's where real design and real branding like comes from, like speaking to shared values and shared interest versus like this whole degen culture of overpromising and under delivering and i think that's where a lot of web3 apps struggle like they think about the the <laughs> i just made this up the thingism they're, they're, they're too focused on I like the product <laughs> and not building a brand and a culture because the thing is like we're we're in the frontier like the products are going to change the technology is even going to change. But if you can foster a community based on shared values and shared interests and like build that vision, then your audience will stick with you while you figure that other stuff out. And I think I think that's why kind of Web3 shoots itself in the foot because we get so honestly, it's not even just Web3, even sometimes in Web2. But there, I mean, Web2 has been established enough to like have invested in, in branding in the forefront. But I think you know, builders think about branding as like colors and logos and all that. Stuff. And it's, it's really not. It's it's how you speak to your audience. It's how you create. It's a point of view that you have. It's a signaling of shared shared values. It's a signaling like people like if you look at some of the most like influential brands in the world, like a Nike or an Apple, like you even you just hear those words and like images flash in your brain like of what those things mean and what they've associated with their brand. So it's not about just buying the shoe. It's not about just buying the phone. It's about the alignment to the culture that they, that they built and like the standards that they have. And I think that's an, a thing that is missing a lot from, um, you know, from a lot of um, yeah. web three, like companies. I think one person, one company that stands that is starting to nail it is Coinbase, I will say. <laughs> um, like Coinbase is like, they're like 0 for 2 for like uh, marketing efforts. And I think they, they're really starting to understand the importance of that. Um, I, I know we're on a podcast, so it's hard to describe. Look it up, guys, if, you, <laughs> if you're listening to this. But there is a, there is a commercial recently that's basically speaking to the housing crisis and, and, it, and it shows families from the 19, what, 60s all the way up into the 2000s and like people buying their first home and showing people's inability to do that up until now. And so the last slide in like the 2000s is like someone living, you know, with their parents or something like that. I forget the exact ad. And it ends on the note of like, you know, don't you want like something different, you know? And and some people are like, well, they're not even talking about crypto. And I'm like, that's the point. They're not talking about crypto. They're speaking to a problem that everyone is feeling. Everyone is feeling this like inability or the inability or like the hardships of, of ownership, because in America, at least um, building like that's the first step into ownership, into into switching. And what Coinbase is saying, like, yeah, you can't buy a house, but like there's crypto and like in crypto and in decentralization, there is ownership, you know, and it's giving you enough to be inspired to just try the thing. And I think that's what we really need to do in this industry is like we need to inspire people and, and world build and like tell better stories and like speak to our, our audiences 
like meet people where they're at essentially and like tell a like craft a narrative you know yeah definitely and you you talked about vision and alignment and i think that's so true uh, i think vision is what pe- keeps people um uh, it, it attracts people right when mm-hmm. someone has a vision and they can communicate that vision and it's something that people can understand then they align to that and they support it and that's something that's heartfelt and can actually be a very strong Mm-hmm. Um, uh, tie to to uh, an entity or to an idea or to a community or to a group. Uh, but the problem with Web3 is that a lot of visions that really come out now are so specific and nuanced and mm-hmm. very hard to understand. And so it's really hard for people to attach that. And one of the things yes. that I really loved about crypto back in 2017 that really excited me is the fact that people were bold with their visions. Now, unfortunately, a lot of these couldn't be delivered or they're still being worked on if they've still got enough money to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it came with some world solving problems. And for me Mm -hmm. at the time, I was like, this is incredible. You know, I can get involved in this this project project. or I can invest in this project or I can, there was opportunity there to support these ideas. And I think that's what it needs to get back to those Mm -hmm. fundamentals rather than trying to attract people to a vision that is very, focused on solving a small problem within crypto mm-hmm. and there'll definitely be support for it but it doesn't project out into the wider world in the same way that that some of these other goals do You're not gonna um, and it's very back. hard to communicate yeah yeah <laughs> and what i liked about coinbase is that they came across with something that people can relate to mm-hmm. that ties into this idea of solving some of the bigger problems that people can understand and it gave them a sense of opportunity and hope that same feeling that attracted me to web three and crypto uh, crypto as it was called back then um specifically web three technically as a term didn't exist but uh, or probably did but wasn't widely used but anyway my point being is that that again it, there are things that people can get emotional about and feel attached to so i think going back to those fundamentals is kind of important because they're the ways that people can be really motivated behind some of these ideas and they can understand them and they can build on them so i'd like to see more of that too yeah but and also like to point out like i've seen um all three like i've seen apps that are like too vision heavy but then there's not an immediate like ask and and thing to do so then like interest will like spike up and then like go down and then i've seen apps where that are too like technology heavy and like okay cool they play with the thing but then the technology like you know always we're always stagnating we have you know winters of you know winters and so after the thing is not fun and new anymore then you know they struggle to retain their audiences and so i think that's where coinbase like kind of has has hit this kind of sweet spot where they're like they've built up an application that you can do things with like you can invest in ethereum and bitcoin and you can like you know that's the least you can do like if you want to make safe bets but you can also like learn about other crypto technologies and and so they they have like this sort of like rabbit hole that you can go down um and and so and then once you kind of get people using the app then like they can kind of speak to the next steps which is which i'm starting to see them do in their application like first you start off with like the kind of centralized trading and then they have like tools to like make your own wallet and learn about like other protocols and like kind of lead you down the decentralization kind of um like road essentially and i think we need kind of more of that consideration um i guess i wanted to ask you or even discuss like we've talked about the the problems we observe but like what do you where do you think this comes from like in your experience working for and with organizations, why, why do you, why do you think this gap come about? I mean, that's a that's a big topic, right? <laughs> um, if I if I if I take it down to the fundamentals, um, there's a classic saying of you know, it's basically a solution uh, in search of a problem, mm-hmm. and to some degree, that's right but it's also not. And I'll explain a little bit more. I mean, in the sense that cryptography and cryptographically based protocols are wonderful invention for uh, being able to communicate uh, amongst people that you don't trust, but retain inherent security. Uh, And that opens up and broadens the way that you can look at 
fundamental things. It creates new paradigms and new ways of restructuring things. But that takes time when things kind of work quite well as they currently do uh, without a kind of need and a demand. And it's like, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. Mm-hmm. It then spawns these kind of needs. Well, there hasn't been that that true driver which has moved us into decentralized uh, technologies. Um, now, I think that's kind of why, um, yeah. fundamentally, I, I think the, the opportunity is there. People have made lots of money and that's been uh, and a really attractive thing for people. And I think Coinbase have done a great peop- uh, have done a great job of bringing people into the space, giving them an easy onboarding, simplifying the experience, not overcomplicating it. I mean, when I was uh, first exploring crypto, it was one of my first places that I started to explore crypto and start um, buying a little bit of crypto here and there. And it's where I'd send most people because the user experience was pretty decent even back in the fairly early days. Mm -hmm. So I think that they've, they've definitely done a good job and they've stayed true to that. And I think now they're sort of leading people into other opportunities and they've not created too much noise in doing that. So I think, I think that's definitely uh, the right way to approach it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, it hasn't found its place yet. It hasn't yeah. found its true place. And that's probably for a couple of reasons in that you know, the macroeconomics or the macro environment hasn't required people to start using it in a way that perhaps it was originally designed or at least Bitcoin was designed. That's probably mm-hmm. a good thing because it means that generally uh, financial systems are right now stable enough for people not to be driven towards it. But you know, as a lot of people would say, it's there as a backup. So if it's used as a backup, then it means that things have gone a little bit awry, at least in the short term, for people to have to put, like, get onto an alternative financial system. Um, I also think that it's always asked people to come to the technology and yeah. it's always tried to pull people into it rather than taking the technology to people and augmenting what they're doing in daily life. And that's the next uh, area of opportunity to kind of find new markets and you go oh well that sounds easy and it kind of is a simple idea um, and I think a lot of people aren't really doing that but then trying to get um, things like DeFi and staking into people's everyday lives well it's very difficult but if you repurpose those concepts into something that people can relate to uh, then you can then start to build that into other systems and other processes, um, other reward systems. And I think that's where we'll see a lot more traction over the next um, three to five years, uh, maybe within the next three years, when you can start uh, rolling out you know, things like stable coins attached to brands, yes. and people start mm-hmm. interacting with brands more. And it's easy to understand because you haven't got this value going up and down. You're not getting burnt all the time because you've got something that's worth, uh, I don't know, uh, a fraction less than when you acquired it. Um, And you feel like it's doing something new for you that's interesting and exciting that's giving you better value. So I think that's where we'll probably move within the next three years. I think that's where people are starting to move. But it's going to be a combination of... um, people being ready for something new, um, maybe wanting and needing it, mm-hmm. uh, and and other conditions basically coming into place and, and regulations really sort of then allowing the, the space to play in for startups and companies, uh, which they don't have right now. So I think that all those things combined will mean that we move on to that next stage of, of people actually being comfortable with it and using it regularly. Yeah, I... I definitely agree with all of your points. And I wanted to kind of share my thoughts on, I have three points. I think why there's this sort of disconnect between um, storytelling and speaking to bigger audiences and uh, Web3. I think um, one is scale is like the, like I talked about before, the reconciling with potential scalability I think that a lot of what, because the Web3 is kind of built on this foundation of like ownership and collective ownership, um, it doesn't really need to scale in the same way that Web2 needs to, because, you know, like if you don't pay for a product, you are the product essentially. And so (laughs) in a world or in a different paradigm in which we're not being used for data and we have to like actively engage in apps 
like you don't need as many users as a web two application needs um, because you're you know ideally getting more high quality and engaged uh, user you know per user than like their web two counterpart. Obviously, this is dependent on the context of the application, but um, for the most part, like we're we can't scale in the same way because our models are our value systems are different basically. Um, I think one example is I was listening to a talk um, about sound XYZ that were that was led by a couple artists and they were saying like, yeah, like if I can build a small audience that is invested in buying like NFTs of my records, like that gives me so much more money than like passive streams on an Apple Music or a Spotify, you know? Um, and like, I don't need to onboard as many people into my community to get the same, if not way better results, you know, selling like my art as NFTs. So that's like one example. Yeah. Um, I think secondly, like what you said, uh, we need to meet people where they're at. Um, I, I, I read this article and it always stands out to me and it was basically called like, nobody wants to use your product. And the, and the point of the, of the application is basically like, like what you said, like, unless, unless your thing is like convenient and like way easier to use than the thing that I'm already using, then like, I'm not going to want to use your thing. And like, right. as web two becomes like more and more centralized, like people are going to like a handful of apps a day, you know, Instagram, Google, YouTube, you know, they have, that's where they're at essentially. And so you have to have a, a good enough reason for them to go to another place, essentially, because uh, we've gotten into this kind of like one stop shop kind of culture over the past, you know, few decades. Um, and so I guess I say that to say, yes, we're going to have to build Web3 into existing infrastructures and to applications that they already use by integrating with web two. So there's that audience potential. Like, like the only example I can think of off the top of my head is like Reddit had that, that NFT thing that, that was super popular, but then it ended up discontinuing. But that's like one example of like, they had a built-in audience, they enabled, you know, a web three thing. And like, lo and behold, they were able to like get a lot of their audience to use that thing. Um, and then again, going back to my scalability point, there will be some people who go down the rabbit hole and live in web three and go use web three products. And that becomes their like repertoire of, of applications that they use on the daily. Um, but I think the issue with web three now is like, there's not a lot to do daily in a lot of web three applications. So with, especially within the consumer space, we really need to start thinking about like our product loops. And because there's, there is an audience that wants to be there, but there's like nothing to do um, regularly. So there's that. Right. And I think lastly, there is this, the, the sort of VC trap that a lot of us are in that work at startups or found startups. And the VC trap is like, you, you've taken this money and they want to see users. They want to see features. They want to, they're just like, you know, what have you built? And there's an emphasis on building things right in that VC like kind of trap. And so, you know, it's hard to tell a VC, like I didn't build anything, but like I'm building community and I'm building branding and I'm like trying it because it take those things take time. Right. It's easy to like churn out features, but like world building, storytelling, cultivating community, cultivating a brand like those things take time. And a lot of us, if we only have a certain amount of time with like runway and, and money, like it's hard to to do that unless you like have been extremely lucky and just have a bunch of PC money, you know. Um, which is nice, which is <laughs> for a bit, for a while, and then you've got to you've got to build something that has uh, value, right? That has mm -hmm. relevance. So, yeah, and and I hundred percent agree with everything you're saying. You're absolutely spot on the money. I really like the fact that you brought up music. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's such a a great area that, that hasn't been properly uh explored yet there are lots of ideas out there and i've seen people talking about music and fractional ownership for about 18 months um but there hasn't been a a massive move towards it and there definitely be people delivering solutions and ideas 
but for one reason or another, it just hasn't captured people's attention or interest or, uh, you know, or for whatever reason. Um, but for me, that is a, a, a huge thing that I think will come about in the next, uh, next five years again, when people can engage with it. And again, you said about there's not much to do out there, but imagine if you could then support your favorite acts uh, and, and take um, a little bit of a crowdfund piece of their next album um, and then take ownership of that and take uh, a degree of royalties from that. You can basically front run the next album. You can uh, also as a band pitch your idea to your community and then Mm -hmm. get that support and then deliver it and obviously take a, a large portion of the ownership of that. But ultimately, you've got your fan base around you that are also advocates for it. So it works in such a a great way, because music is very much about community. And this is about community. And again, the value behind it is the glue on top of what you have around the enjoyment of the art, which is the music itself. So when we can solve this properly and do it in a way that is kind of portable and accessible, uh, I think it's going to be absolutely massive and it's going to change the music industry for the better. Um, Again, when you can then start doing royalties per stream, um, I don't know what that would look like for people that like to just use Spotify and not worry about it but certainly for the artists and the people that have taken a part in supporting the artists and taking a a fractional share of that album or that piece of music, then, you know, that's going to give them a portion of that dependent upon the success of it. So I'd like to see those sort of platforms be uh, disrupted a little bit because I don't Mm -hmm. think they're sustainable and healthy for a lot of people uh, who work in the music industry, Um, but they're great for consumers. So how do we then make it great for consumers and the people that are working in music? And I think once we've done that and we've got the technological aspects solved where we can basically do streaming royalties and we can distribute them fairly and we can create easy to access um, fractional ownership uh, and all of those things that come with that type of world, uh, then, yeah, that's that's going to be a huge market that's, I think, going to move things forward and the overall user experience will be better. You know, not just the interface experience, but the overall participation in that world is going to be better. So I, I really like the fact you brought that up and I'm really hopeful for that area of innovation as well. It's so primed for the Web3 UK use case, like so primed. Totally. Um, I could do a whole episode on music and a whole episode on... Let's do on, it. Uh, <laughs> I just ha- I just want to make this point. I will I will say I think we also have to reconcile that there are like powers that be that have a vested interest in not in this in a lot of our things not being popular. Like if you think about the the music industry, like what eighty percent of music is owned by like what two or three companies. Um, mm-hmm. So there's going to be a natural friction there, you know, because yes. because of that like um, you know juxtaposition or like you know for you know. <laughs> that op- opposition rather you know so um and so i think that's another thing we that isn't talked about enough is that like a lot of our technology disrupts power systems and paradigms yes. and it's like we're just not gonna scale the same way guys <laughs> like we're just not and i think we like we need to be okay with it like our, a lot of our apps are just not gonna scale the same way there's there's a vested interest in people not being owners. There's a vested interest in, like, even, you know, Coinbase talks about it every day of, like, the fight for crypto even in the state now. Um, so I think we we like to pretend that that's not a thing, and it, it definitely is. And so we're, we're going against a lot. Not only are we, like, a frontier technology, you know, not only are we going against, like, volatile markets, we're going against, you know, power shifts, um, vested interest in, in like, not having decentralized systems because like the world is increasingly becoming more and more centralized. And so I think, you know, that goes back to my early like opening statement is like, we're so unserious. It's like, we need to reconcile with this, like, and have like realistic expectations and also do all the things that we've talked about, like telling better, better stories and understanding your audiences and, and all those things. Cause even if you do do it all right, it's still hard. You know yeah it is and you're right i mean it's interesting um how you mentioned this sort of uh, the power systems that 
uh, entrench the status quo and almost create a bigger divide. But I think that when there's enough noise and enough interest, genuine interest around something, then they have to adapt to that because uh, the people then start to attract um, that investment opportunity, which then brings in those, uh, those well, I wouldn't say corporate entities, but those uh, sort of incumbents, if you like, to that world. And then you start to merge them together. Um, but you get hopefully a better result rather than becoming more centralized. You're kind of sh shifting the balance away from that and more towards individual or community ownership. And I guarantee you one thing uh, that I always hold on to that kind of just reminds me that when I'm starting to think, you know what, the world is just becoming more and more difficult, challenging for individuals to actually um, break free into their own individuality or to leave a mark on their own terms. I just think, well, next 20 years are going to be quite key for technology and how we shape it. Um, and within that, there's going to be a rise of community. Uh, and I guarantee you in 20 years time, we will see much more community around that. And the only thing that can really deliver that in a meaningful way is when we do it in a decentralized manner. Imagine a centralized community. It's almost hard to perceive because someone owns that that doesn't necessarily always deserve to own that or then takes a power over that. So really the future there, if we're going to go into more of a community driven uh, future, then that then has to be decentralized. So anytime I start to think, man, you know, this is this sucks, or uh, I don't like the way this is going, I just remind myself of that. And that's my North Star to say, okay, you're investing your time in the right thing. And this is the way that, you know, it's likely to go. We don't know exactly how long it's going to take and in what sort of shape or form, but it's almost, in my mind, uh, an inevitable outcome because otherwise we move in an opposite direction, which is not good for for people and humanity. It becomes uh, more centralized, more corporate, more control. We don't want that, right? And, and I don't think that's healthy overall. So if we think about the opposite, uh, then I think that's a much better outcome. And that's what uh, really drives me personally. I don't know about yourself, whether you feel that too, but that's why I'm here. I mean, that's what kept me here was because in, in all honesty, like the work is interesting, you know, obviously, because you're doing stuff you've never had to do in, a, in any other context. But the thing like through the ups and downs of working in crypto, through the moments of my career while I was like, why am I here? Um, especially, I mean, as I mean, as a black woman who I'm often the only person or very few person in the room, um, what kept me was the investment in a better future and a more equitable future and a more decentralized future. And, I, you know, elder, I, have, I have felt this like duty almost to be a part of that and to build with you know the things like with my and to build with the how do i say this and to build with you know and be the person in the room that comes from a community that maybe isn't usually in the room you know and and it has like a particular set of values that is shared but also like different from typical like product builders and i think um, I think it's important to, I don't know, it's been important to me to stay invested for a very long time. Um, and, um, I don't think people understand that, like, this is a global thing. Like in my, in my time working in crypto, I've met people from all over the world and like seeing all these people from all these different backgrounds, like all have this felt this problem of like inequity and like are here to be a part of the frontier of like leveling that out like it's just been really inspiring um yeah <laughs> you know totally uh, agree. Agree. um there is this like invisible crypto which is like crypto infrastructure and like basically the unsexy stuff <laughs> like like um 
apps that like help bridge databases or have apps that are, are even changed that help with inoperability and all that fun stuff. I like, I, I don't know, I go in like it's invisible to crypto, meaning like it's all like highly technical stuff like that the average person would never touch, but it is very important to allow to like pave their way for, you know, consumer applications to have better user experiences. And, you know, Web2 companies are investing in in those infrastructures. And there is a sort of like centralized crypto that's slowly emerging. I mean, PayPal just came out with their own stable coin. Like you said earlier, brands are coming out with their own stable coin. And so I think it's important for us to um, or for the culture to shift into some of these things that we've talked about, because like those companies have built-in audiences, they have built-in brands, they have they have like an advantage over a lot of like grassroots um, Web three products, and so um, I think I don't know. I just go back to like decentralization is important, but how do we get people to care about it? Otherwise, mm. they're just going to use you know, their insert web two crypto product here, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. And I think it's okay for centralized crypto to exist next to decentralized crypto. And I think that as long as they work together and they're not, uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with centralized solutions. I think that as long as there is choice and people can move away from that, I think that's a good thing because sometimes you do need to take uh, centralized decisions and the, the structure within a company needs to be centralized and you can progressively decentralize that. And I think we'll see even some of these become progressively decentralized, even though they might not know it yet. But when it actually starts to you know, be 10 years down the line, the way that community interaction works is going to look a bit like... Uh, you know, the way that brands are going to want to um, talk to their community. Like, for example, it was kind of crazy to think that brands would interact on Facebook or Twitter 10 years ago, and they started to. But the idea that they would, people could leave their own comments, and that would be advertising in itself and interact, it was totally mm -hmm. alien. And that's changed. And that's been a new paradigm. And the th same thing is going to happen again with crypto, with the way that brands will interact with the next version of the, their, their audiences and their customers. Uh, and they're going to be far more, uh, uh, they're going to participate more. Mm -hmm. They're going to take more ownership because that's going to incentivize and engage them. Brands don't know this yet. Um, they wouldn't even know how to activate this. It'll be a slow movement towards that. But another thing, another parallel we can look at is software, right? It was inconceivable that you would give away your code to people. Well, that's open source. Uh, and it took a lot of the giant um, the, the entities a long time to get used to this idea of opening up their code to their customers and other people who might even use that for themselves. Um, but then they realized what the benefits were. It was a collaboration. It was um, you know, just basically people working on this stuff at the weekends. It was more advocacy and engagement. It was the ability to uh, rigorously test their code out in the wild as well. And all of these things combined meant that it was a much better way to do stuff. But you imagine when uh, back in the 80s and even the 90s, when you had someone like Microsoft or, uh, I don't know, uh, Google or anyone else who might participate in some of these open source uh, environments for some of their products, then basically um, they wouldn't ever think about giving this stuff away. It's like, well, you, you crazy? We're just going to like open the code up to people to then take and use for themselves. Um, now, I don't know the exact terms of their open source licenses. I haven't looked into that. But there has been a shift. And obviously, uh, platforms and operating systems like uh, Linux have really shown how you can then create um, like business models out of open source and be very, very successful. You know, companies like Red Hat um, and many others in, in Linux have done that and they've done a fantastic job. Again, it's just shifting these uh, business models and the way that we look at things into being more uh, participatory 
And when we get there, it's a much better place. And we see that time and time again. And this is where I think this type of um, decentralization with, with centralized entities will come slowly but surely. It will trickle in. And that will be a positive thing. So I'm okay with, with centralized big players coming in. Um, but, you know, let's see where they are in 10 years and, and how they're operating. Yeah, I actually didn't think about it like that. Like if your your favorite brand like starts dipping into crypto, there's a potential for cross platform pollinization because there might there may be an audience where like okay, they use it and they don't they don't go anywhere. And then there might be an audience that uses it and that sparks curiosity to then use other types of, you know, web3 applications. So adopt all adoption can be good. I I guess my my fear comes from like you know, if, if a centralized entities has mo- have most of the audiences, then like there and there isn't like a demand for decentralization, um, then, you know, we could basically essentially create the same power structures and systems that we have in Web2. Um, but like you but like you said, there are other things that are helping with more decentralized decentralization, such as like open source projects and codes and companies like being more open to that um our last point you want uh you wanted to talk about um pure invention and like some like potential new markets that web3 products can create i think we kind of talked about one which is like music nft trading which is a new market um any uh did you want to expand on that yeah uh i mean i think this is this goes back to anyone who's listening to this that's thinking either in Web3 or they, they're thinking about getting into Web3. But really, it's ripe for people to start looking at the way that Web3 works and then bringing that into the real world and then being problem solvers and inventors. And you're free to call yourself an inventor because you you can take this wonderful technology and start bringing it into people's lives uh, in a real way. And it might not just be like a, a sledgehammer approach of just trying to I don't know, fork a DeFi platform and go, hey, um, guys, you can use my version because it's slightly more user-friendly. It's about looking at existing ways of uh, the world and thinking, well, how can we bring in a little bit of this type of interaction that you might find in DeFi? Or how can we bring in a little bit of this type of interaction that you might find with NFTs? And how can we change the game here? Or these types of things where it's breaking out of just the audience types that you get in Web3, and you wouldn't even necessarily call it Web3. Is there a way that we can bring this stuff in and people don't even realize they're using some of these things that have originated in what would be classed as web three. So that I'm really excited about music is a great one when we can start, um, bringing some of these ideas through to people and you know what, they don't even know they're using a wallet. Um, yeah. Okay. It might be partly centralized. It might be a custodial wallet, but you know what, uh, you can port that any way you want. So there's still a decentralized infrastructure underneath it. And if that gets more people into it, then I'm okay with that, right? So I'm not kind of dogmatic about how it has to be. It's about opening people up to better forms of ownership and technology. And if we have to kind of make some small compromises, then that's fine too. So this idea of inventing and finding new markets, I think, is about how can we take some of the best elements that we've got and then look at the common problems we see around us and then bring some of those things in. Uh, and I, I definitely think that retail and, and those aspects with stable coins, as I've mentioned, are going to be a really strong area to look at. Uh, and they're going to be things that then bounce off that additional layers uh, of, of innovation, which then deepen the engagement and will take aspects of of web three and bring it into the real world that brands will then be able to roll out. And yes, you'll be using a wallet that, you know, you can back up and you can port to your favorite web three wallet, but it's going to streamline the experience for you. It's going to be easy to kind of recover if you need to, um, and, and so on and so forth. You know, that I think is where anyone who's interested in inventing has an opportunity to, to, to kind of cross those two, two worlds essentially. And there are many, many other things, right? I think there are ways that we can enjoy art, are ways that we can enjoy 
and own NFTs, and we can bring those to people as well um, and change the way that people engage with with that. Um, I think that's really exciting. There are definitely some ideas around that. And there's also things where we might use uh, everyday healthcare systems where we've just got used to a centralized solution. Again, healthcare, it's a bit of a mountain to move, but when we get there, it's gonna be a much better view at the top, right? Um, because we're used to healthcare systems being really fragmented. Uh, your doctor can't talk to your dentist. Your dentist can't talk to your chiropractor. You know, all of these things, you have to get specific referrals that are very slow and require specific people to do them. Whereas when we get to a decentralized system, which will come over time, I don't know how long, but it will come because it's a much better system. You own all that data and you'll be able to basically hand out information to the people that you meet wherever you are in the world. And they'll be able to tap into that. You know, if I, uh, if I need to get healthcare in the U S or Australia or Europe or somewhere that I'm visiting temporarily, there's no way I can share any of my medical history at this point in time. But in the future, I'll be able to simply share that and any medical history that I gain in that area, I'll be able to take with me as well. And all of that will happen through decentralization. And that's a much better system. We won't see it. We won't know it necessarily. It will just work for us. And so, again, that's another area where we can start to innovate and rethink some of our, our, our systems out in the world. They're big jobs to do. But if that's the sort of thing that excites you as a person, whether you want to drive that or be part of it in a small way or just help teams that are doing it, then I, I don't think there's a better place to be. I think it's a really exciting space. Yeah, and that's just, uh, I, I think um, I tend to be a little bit maybe not even open enough to the, the so many of the, of the ways that we can start to disrupt current systems and and create new products. I think um like the the whole medical like document idea is like oh man i just think of the bureaucracy involved in, in stuff like that but it like like we like you said like if you can create enough cultural shift to create pressure to then unlock and change um ownership even in the context of like medical records then that's like a step in like you know, mass adoption of technology and it's solving like a, a core need. Um, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, honestly, I think <laughs> I feel like um, like I'm hopeful and I definitely feel like there is a change happening in our industry. Um, you're start. I mean, bear markets tend to do this. You're starting to see the things that like maybe didn't solve problems too well, kind of die off, and the things that are kind of um, at the precipice of something kind of ramp up, and then you know some places are kind of caught in between. Um, I guess the last thing I wanted to end off with is, where do you see? given what we've talked about, like, where do you see the state of the industry in like the next year or even two years? That's a, a really interesting question. And I think, uh, let me just break it down. I think it's going to be a combination of where's the market because it's so market driven still and where's the cultural shift in terms of teams and in terms of the market, I mean, I think it's going to be generally positive. Uh, no one has a crystal ball, but I think yeah. the bear market, um, I think we've hopefully seen the worst of it without any major events. And uh, you know, I might eat my words there, but um, we have a few key elements happening next year, which I think are going to be really important, like the halvening. And I think also regulations coming in for some areas, which are going to mean that you can innovate more with more certainty. Uh, there'll be an uptick in the interest there. And I think also investment will follow. I think what's happened in, in this year is that a lot of investors have really retracted mm. uh, and just taken a, a step back and a view of like, okay, I'm going to see what happens. But 
they're still sitting on capital um, and they still want to deploy that capital to the right place. So I think when things start to recover, then yeah, it will recover quite significantly and it'll recover quickly. Um, and of course, we'll get back into crypto spring uh, and everyone will be <laughs> feeling a lot more positive and then things will go from there. So we might not be too far off that, but it's hard to know whether you know the market is going to go up or down or sideways for the next six months a year. But um, I'd say in a year's time, you know, I think it will look very, very different to, to where we are. Everyone's a bit... Um, battered and bruised by the last <laughs> 18 months, two years, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the that's the market side, and then for the the more the culture side, I think that uh, yeah, we're going to see more professionalism. I like to see more professionals coming in doing side gigs, helping out some of the teams, and even coming in full time. And I'd like to see uh, better quality products. I'd like to mm-hmm. see more innovation and invention coming through. Uh, definitely rather than just trying to solve smaller and smaller problems and doing more and more layers of complexity, you know, how can we then uh, create, I don't know, more value in the world for people um, and on a wider scale. So that, that would be good in the next year to see that sort of shift happening. And yeah, I mean, if big players want to come in, corporates and incumbents that are out there that are looking at it and going, hmm, this looks like an interesting space, I want a piece of that pie, then great, let them play. And then you know, people that are thinking of new ways to do things will always have a space to do that. And I think that that it's fertile for that to happen within Web3 and it will continue to be. So yeah, I think the next year is going to be interesting. I think, yeah, it'll be a general uptick in sentiment overall. And um, certainly the year after that, I think is going to be pretty wild. So I'm looking forward to 2024 into 2025 as well. Yeah, I think... I honestly, I agree with with kind of your outlook. I also do think that like this time around, you know, VCs will be a little bit more, um, how do I say this? Like, sus- not suspicious, but their their standards are going to be a little higher than the first time around. I think um, people were just kind of making bets on crypto as a whole and kind of just kind of throwing money out and seeing what sticks. But now that we're, you know, growing up as an industry as a whole, they've kind of seen what sticks and what doesn't. And so there's definitely going to be a shift in the types of things that get funding versus the types of things that don't. Um, And and I've already kind of started to see a little bit of that. Um, I think, secondly, it's really hard for me to predict the future. I mean, I hope. I mean, I'm starting to see, like what you said, we're maturing. I, I think... Like in, a, in the past few conferences that I've attended in the last year, I, I, I hear the same things. I have, we have to speak to users. We've got to get out of our heads about the technology. We got to, you know, um, you know, like, you, you know, account abstraction. We got to like improve UX. And so I hear these things over and over and I haven't seen them be translated tangibly in a lot of contexts yet. But I do think like if you look at, the leaders of the space like consensus and like um you know coinbase and like you know kraken like you can see they're starting to think about those types of things and so where the leaders go like everybody else tends to follow um i think um i guess lastly i don't know I don't, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I feel like I've been, the space continues to surprise me, like what takes off and what doesn't. And like, it just, and it's, at times it feels very random, as you know. I know, um, completely. But I, I, I do think NFTs are going to come, make a comeback. I don't think they're going to make a comeback in a way that is like trader based, like it has been before. I think people are going to be like, wait, we can actually use this for like utility, you know? Um, and like, like, like things like medical records and things like, you know, um, concert tickets and like other different contexts. So I'm placing a bet on on NFTs resurrecting, but like in a different way. (laughs) And that's the only, the bet I'm making. Um, also people are starting to invest a lot in the creator space. So I can definitely see, um, like more consumer based apps targeted at creators because creators are starting to feel the weight of like Patreon and YouTube and all these other apps that are, that take like such a huge portion of their um, earnings. 
and they're going to start wanting to look for more equitable, you know, platforms. And I think that's where Web3 um, could meet them, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that those are my like little predictions, but uh, mostly their hopes. I'm not basing on any real data other than <laughs> what I want to see in the world. <laughs> right. No, I think they're great tips. I think they're, I think they're great tips. And I think they're all coming from the same principle, which is building fairer systems for people. Mm-hmm. And when, when people are ready to seek those out, not just because of a instant gratification, but they've got a principle to wanting to do that. Um, maybe it's monetary driven because you're a creator. Maybe it's because you know what you want to support creators, but more conscientious decision-making I think that will also help. I don't know whether people are ready for that yet, but that's my hope too. Yeah. So let's see. We'll see. All right, we'll end it there. Thank you so much for finishing this episode of Design and Dow. To learn more about us, uh, follow us at, on Twitter um, and our website, designer-dow.xyz. Um, until next time. <laughs>